Welcome everyone to 2023 season episode 34 of the Team Blaney podcast. My name is Adam Rogers and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. As always, this podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been following the drivers of the Blaney racing family for two decades and Team Blaney itself launched on social media in 2014. Each weekly episode of the podcast offers an in-depth analysis of Ryan Blaney's latest NASCAR Cup Series race, plus news notes and a lineup of special guests all throughout the year. This week, we break down the number 12 team's run in the Bass Pro Shops night race at Bristol Motor Speedway. And fresh off his trip to the aforementioned Bristol Motor Speedway is Steve Mez. Welcome back. All right. It's great to be back. We made it back in one piece. Um, you know, it yeah, it, it rained on the more on the ride home than it did uh, Saturday night. So crazy. So crazy. Yeah. And you can't blame the rain on me. I no. mentioned to you that we, on Friday, we were... Almost about ready. Get packed, get in the car, head up there, pulled up the weather app, saw that there was 60 to 70% chance of rain. I said, you know what? We're not going to bring our bad luck up there as well. well. We'll watch this one from home. And man, outside of just a couple short rain delays, you guys got the race in. Yeah. Actually, that's probably what happened. The closer you guys are deciding on driving up, the worse the forecast got. And then as soon as you turn the garage, turn the car back and put it in the garage, the skies opened up. <laughs> And it was clear again. And uh, no, it was threatening the whole time. That was the the interesting part. Once you're sitting down inside of there, you can't tell. You're looking up over the edge, trying to figure yeah. it out. Um, and even I think Bob, because Bob usually posts this or that, or tries to post a radar. But he even said that it's hard to tell because of the mountains down there and and the way the storm is blowing in and whether or not um, you know they come up in a certain way and the wind blows around the mountain and it seemed to diverge a lot of uh, a lot of the storms as they were coming in a lot of the rain as it was coming in. Cause I don't think it was really even lightning or thunderstorms. So, you know, it, it was just regular rain, but it, it did not, when it did fall, it did not fall at any kind of rate to wash the track away. Um, as uh, you know, uh, we, we have a special guest on later and he's part of that team. And I, I messaged him back and forth about that after the fact, cause uh, uh they didn't they didn't have to bring out the actual jet dryers um or the the you know the tundras or whatever they 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 brought just regular regular uh, regular dryers out there um the time or two they did have to come out and did not take long i think the uh the red flag delay was only 13 minutes or something like that i think i have my notes yeah. so yeah it wasn't bad at all and uh the, the racing as we're going to go through this report and this report will end up going pretty quick because the racing was quick it was very similar to last year's race. I don't know why people expected more because the well, the well, night race last year wasn't super exciting either, but I mean, well, it, it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Here, here's what's happened. A couple things. First off the car, you know, we know it's not the track because that's what I said, uh, even a couple messages online and stuff that I've been to the track a number of times now going back to the Dave days and the racing's always been good. There's always been, you know, to the point where, okay, even if it's a one lane track, yeah, uh, you were able, if you were quicker than the guy in front of you, you were able to get up on him and push him and maybe nudge him or bump and run and so forth. Even when, you know, it was one lane, um, this car right now on this track and the configuration, they tried to spray PJ one down 
uh, two different occasions before the race to try to create the bottom lane. And the bottom lane was there for some restarts. Uh, but as the cars got spread out and separated, you had to be more than two tenths or three tenths faster to pass somebody, whether it was low lane, high lane, and nobody could do it. <laughs> I've got some things in the notes that are just mind blowing for 40 laps in a row, you know, 50 laps in a row, you just followed somebody and could never get to them, um, to pass them. And maybe that's because the quality of the drivers is so good now too. I mean, you know, 36 guys out there and almost all 36 of them are pretty good to where they don't miss it and they don't miss it by much, uh, when they do miss a turn or miss a, you know, so unless the car kind of fails them in a way, sometimes it's not, uh, not going to add a lot of cautions or restarts and, uh, they just kind of got spread out after a while and yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. Well, maybe the cup race was a little bit underwhelming. The truck race was pretty good. And I tell you what, I don't know if you got a chance to watch it, but the NASCAR Xfinity series race on Friday night was fan fantastic and i have yeah. to say yeah. marcus smith and smi is very lucky that dale earnhardt jr's car caught on fire because if he would have won that race i'm not sure that bristol would have been standing <laughs> for the race on sunday <laughs> or on saturday There's night so because good. man i mean it was just the energy was picking up i mean it's mm-hmm. just i feel like everybody's rooting for the guy and then just a <laughs> fluke deal happens to him and ends this race but wow that was impressive well, that's you know, the, uh, there were a couple of people on Twitter that were crazy, just going crazy. They were just like, we're going to storm the track. He wins. We're just going to climb the fences, storm the track. And I was all there for that. I wanted to see that for sure. Um, I actually was watching, uh, watched some laps. I was out doing something, but I watched some laps from his in-car camera. And once again, this is, the, this car is a different car than the, than the car, the cup guys are running. So they're able to do different things with it. He got to the low lane, hit the PJ one. And was two tenths of a lap faster than everybody. And it was almost like all his years of experience just showed how much better he was at running that place than everybody else who's out there with. And if that car had not, um, had not caught fire, um, you know, I think he was what third or fourth when they went, when that happened. Um, but he and was catching, gaining, I think and he was yeah. catching all of them. If he had enough laps, he would have gotten to all of them. And that would have just been totally wild. Uh, he may not have passed for the lead since his, his actual car that he owns was leading, but, um, yeah, it was, that was a lot of fun. And like I said, the, those two series are different vehicles, so they are able to run differently and race each other differently on that track. It's just, it's just this car right now. And NASCAR's trying their best to figure it out, um, doing tests and trying to do tests with spoilers and, and trying to do tests with the diffuser and try to do tests on the bottom of the car. And just, they're trying to figure out what they can do to make it race better on a short track. But as for right now, it's, it's track position, you know, and don't make a mistake. And and these guys are so good that they're not making enough mistakes for anybody to capitalize on them. You know, before we get to our race recap, I feel like we should pause for a moment and acknowledge uh, the loss uh, this week of uh, a member of the NASCAR community, and that was Sherry Pollux, who's a former partner of Martin Truex Jr., a fixture in racing for the last several years, who's been battling ovarian cancer. Uh, we learned uh, on Sunday morning that you know we lost uh, Sherry, and we have we know some folks that were pretty close with with them and the MTJ Foundation, and uh, I think I. I speak for you as well. You know, we want to send our thoughts and prayers out to the Pollock's family and Martin and, and everybody else uh, whose lives that Sherry touched throughout her battle. Yeah. It's um, you know, it's a, it was something that we a lot of people thought was might come at some point, but um, 
you know, uh, if you knew anybody in NASCAR, uh, they all have nothing but great things to say about what she did um, and brought people together. And uh, I know fans of Ryan, if you're a fan of Ryan, you know, Ryan always did something to help with her foundation. It was always in that uh, charity event that was actually like in the last week or two, um, you know, for the uh, fashion show. So, yeah, uh, you know, our thoughts and prayers go out to to everybody involved. Steve mentioned to uh, make sure you stay tuned into the show. Uh, once we wrap up our recap of the Bristol night race, we do have a special guest that is involved in uh, track maintenance and drying and, and uh, operations and NASCAR's traveling circus from week to week. So kind of a different interview, but it's something you definitely want to tune into, especially after the the events that we had to, to watch this past weekend at Bristol with uh, the maintenance and drying and things that had to go on to keep that race going. So stay tuned in for that. Uh, but I'm going to let Steve uh, go off and running here with a recap of practice qualifying and the Bristol night race. Yeah, let's um, let's talk about Friday. Um, group uh, B practice here is in Group B. Uh, group A, the five, the uh, 17, 23, the 54, and the 20 are the fast five within you know for the single lap, and they're all within two tenths. Actually, about uh, 0.181. And you know, it's amazing how hundreds of a second will come down to the difference between getting into the top 10 for qualifying and not, um, you know, the, the 22 car, uh, in, in his group was P 11, but he was only 0.247 back of, uh, you know, of the, the fastest car. So, you know, we're talking laps that were 15.186 for the fastest lap, you know, 15 second laps, you know, group B, um, they were shooting for 20, 25 laps, but two minutes in, um, he was up to P two actually, which was 18th overall between the two groups because the first group ended up being faster comes in after 13 laps with P six in that group, uh, 22nd overall 0.339 back of the five. Um, you know, 10 minutes le- uh, left to go in the, in the session, 25, 24, 48, 45, 11, and the eight were the fast five. They come back out. Um, they, I noticed he did have an in-car camera for the, for the, uh, and they put one on the rear of the car too, on that rear. Uh, he uh, did that yeah, one that Reddick and some other guys have carried the last couple of weeks. Yeah. So yeah, I was I think the they're track. hoping to get some, hoping to get some good shots of him run the yeah. high side, run the high side. I was at the track and they did put it on the big board a couple of times uh, from the track. I don't know if they put it on TV much or not, but uh, they did put it on the big board at uh, the track. Um, he did move up to about P20 overall with a 15.469. Uh, he said it was too loose in that first run. Um, with about five minutes left, uh, they came back out. Um, they says the front end just doesn't do anything. It just gets worse. They brought it back in. Uh, they ran 37 laps. Um, the fast five were actually ended up being the 24, 48, 45, 11, and the eight. So, you know, <clears throat> they did some adjusting, you know, in practice. And usually that's, you know, that's uh, a sign. It's not necessarily a good sign because you hope that you unload and don't have to worry about it too much, but, um, you know, they at least tried to do some things, um, and uh, it, it almost worked actually. That's <laughs> a, a, a funny thing is, um, group a comes out and the top five end up being the 20, the 54, the seven, the 23 and the nine. And they were in a range from 15.111 to 15.338 and the five car almost crashed on his lap, which, you know, <laughs> was pretty good. A pretty, pretty good save actually. Um, Group B, Ryan went out 14th. Uh, Ryan and Josh discuss uh, calling out the flags because they're running two laps here for qualifying, not just one. Um, 
and he also he kind of wanted to know how the guys were coming to the green. Um, and his uh, the in car camera here was it was really interesting because as he runs the first lap and as it's going, he go he reaches over to his right and and he adjust, he's adjusting something over there on his right, and the second lap was a fifteen point two three zero. So it was a faster lap than the than the first lap, and he was doing some of the brake bias. I think that's the only real in car adjustment yeah. I have. And he was hurrying up and doing that, and he was P four with four to go. Um, TV guys were surprised that he was faster on the second lap because that was kind of unusual in this in this session, mm-hmm. and they were a little underwhelmed with his first lap. But yeah, he really picked it up on the second one. Yeah, um, he was P four with four to go, but he got bumped with one to go. Um, the fast five. Uh, were the, let's see here, the, uh, the 11, the six, the 24, 34, and the 19. And they were in a range from 15.062 to 15.220. So first off his lap was, you know, 15.230. He missed it by 0.010. Not a 10th, but a hundredth. And his time would have been inside the top five in the other group. So, you yeah. know, he's going to, you know, so, you know, he's starting 11, you know? Yeah. That uh, worked out at least. It wasn't yeah. like ended up 12th or 13th. At least he was 11. So not too far outside the top 10. <laughs> um, so we get to Saturday race day, um, uh, pit stall. I have number 10 here, but it's on the back stretch here, or I'm sorry. He's on the front stretch. I'm sorry. He has pit stall 10 on the front stretch. I'm on the back stretch, but I can see all the way through to, if you zoomed in with my camera phone, I could see the pit box from behind the television screen. They got back there. Um, he was pitting with the 43 in front of him and open behind him uh, just past the start finish line. And we had uh, stages of 125, 250, 500, 11 sets of tires, which they didn't need. And um, I don't even know what a fuel run was. Did they say on TV what the fuel run was going to be or could have been? Uh, Bob I, usually, honestly, Bobby, I mean, they Bob could usually, go a long time, yeah, like 80, 90 put, something laps. Bob didn't put in his notes. So, um, um, uh, I went to the tweet up, um, uh, before we, before we delve deep into the, into the, the race itself, went to the tweet up, uh, we had, uh, we had the whole all-star cast at the tweet up. We had, uh, Jeff Jordan, um, uh, Bob NASCAR chasm, which, uh, was really cool. I got to hold the paperweight. That peacock paperweight that he'd been peacock, pining yeah. for forever. I got to hold it and I had a magnet with me and I, I tried to stick it to it and it didn't work. <laughs> He's like, no, it's not magnetic. Like, Oh, bummer. Um, uh, who else was, uh, Oh, uh, Kevin for Virginia was there said hi. Uh, also, um, I want to say hi. Cause, uh, we talked up a couple, got to talk to a couple of Blaney fans, Rochelle, um, Nell from Michigan, uh, Stellanaris was there. Um, so it was really kind of cool. Cause I got to, you know, a couple of the Blaney fans that, uh, you know, huge fans of Ryan's and actually follow the podcast and so forth too. Uh, it was really cool to get a chance to, to see him. That's one of the bigger um, meet and greets there. Um, and we met up with Jerry and, uh, uh, and our friends, Jerry and Kirsten, they were there too. They actually got to meet Samantha Bush. Uh, she was doing a meet and greet herself uh, a little later that afternoon. Um, so we get to the race and um, uh, he starts P11 from laps I got roughly for lap five. Once the, the restart spreads out to lap 67, he runs 11th. <laughs> I'm not going to have a lot of details. Even the, uh, the, no. 
the 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 headsets and stuff i couldn't hear a lot until the cautions i've got to figure out what's going on with my scanner but it's not loud enough or something um but uh yeah there, there really wasn't much being said anyway um caution at lap 69 uh for the 16 and the two uh i think the uh, 16 just had a little bit of an issue there and the two uh got caught up in it pretty much ruined his day uh we're pitting with four tires here i think we only ended up having four pit stops on the day um we pit here and it's a 9.91 stop you know say it guys, now every stop was good in this yeah, race so yeah if yeah the, if the crew needed a bounce back week or anything like that i mean they had it for sure yeah they were they're they're, they're these guys are, are are putting it together right now at the right time um the restart lap 76 and 11th uh then we get a caution at lap 107 for the rain they do pit again here um right before the end of the stage 10.077 at lap 114 the seven leads the field of the green he stayed out now some guys stayed out here and we're going to find at the end of this stage ryan will end up staying out while these other guys come in and pit so kind of this caution this time kind of flipped the field around a little bit uh he ends up p19 here um stage one the 20 wins ryan ends up in 18th at the end of the stage but they stay out now um at lap 137 we do get the red flag lasts about 13 minutes we go ahead and restart lap 141 in 10th by lap 143 back to 12th by lap 169 back to 14th and lap 177 15th at lap 242 he's back to 16th and stage two the 20 wins the stage ryan p16 what I can tell all throughout the race, he kind of had the same complaints as he did in practice. Like just can't turn, mm-hmm. can't get the car to turn. You know, he's able to run 12th to 15th around that area. And it kind of seemed like that's, that was about as far as they were going to get in this one. They just you weren't super fast off the truck and hard to, as you described already uh, early on, really hard to pass arrow. Yeah was kind of rough on even getting around up to guys and around guys. So it seems like they kind of had what they had. And I, at this point in the race, I mean, I was just watching points and just want them to just survive. Yeah. They didn't update enough on the scoreboard there at, uh, at the track as I got it on the jumbotron and the scoreboards on the side. Every once in a while, they show you the cut line, the two, two guys, you know, two guys on the, just below it, two guys just above it. They wouldn't dedicate enough space, so you couldn't tell, but you knew that every once in a while they show Ryan, he was still like 20-some points up or at one point like 30-some points up, and he's like, okay, well, we're, you know, barring something stupid, we should be good. Um, we uh, The 20 wins of stage two, Ryan ends up 16th here, and uh, we have a 9.944 stop once again. Golden. Um, uh, restart lap, uh, stage three here at, uh, 260 here, 54 leads. Now this is the 54 pit crew who was the twenties pit crew pulls off a huge stop here and puts him out front. Um, so Ryan's in 16th here. Then at lap two, uh, two laps later, we get a caution. This is that big one. Uh, the seven, the 22, the 31, the 51, the 77, um, unfortunate. Joey yeah. was really struggling. You mentioned the fact that, um, you know, they stayed out and he was just free falling through the field prior to that. And I think this is just what happens if you, you're running back there. But I mean, for him, it's just, I can't say they did anything wrong. It was bad luck. The seven just slid up right up across the track into him. And yeah, rough. And I don't know. I don't remember. I, you know, you're going to give statistics on who finished where to the cut line, but I don't think the Joey finished too far below it. 
I don't. I think if you're still running just five, it's it like five points or so. And if you know, there's an incident that happens with Truex later in the race where if you know he went out, yeah, it would have flipped a lot of a lot of things around to where the 22 maybe would have got in. But yeah, so, reminds but me of Kyle Busch last year and some other folks is just you know heart wrenching for them. Ends their season. Yeah, and this is the one of those things about just being mistake free. You know, we've heard Jonathan say base hits. You know, sometimes you just have to base hits, and this isn't a mistake that's his fault, mind you, but. You know, if this doesn't happen, like I said, he he probably maybe he finishes twenty fourth or twenty fifth right back there with Ryan, but he would have had more than enough. You know, he'd have been eight or nine points better, and because of that, he would have got in, and somebody else would have you know got bumped out. Um, we restart lap two seventy two in fifteenth. Um, this is the point in time in the next couple laps here. I think by two eighty three, where he hits the wall. Uh, scrapes it, and I don't know. Did he run in the nineteenth that point two or something coming down off the wall? That, it, he might have, might have made a, a little bit of contact, but yeah. But, I mean, from here on out, it was. Well, that's the thing. It's it's by scrubbing the wall here. This is kind of like where things started to kind of, you know, backslide for him in the next couple laps, and it's just basically because of that. He lost momentum. A couple guys got by him. He was trying to get his feet back underneath him, more or less, you know. And um, by lap. Uh, between laps 288 and 360, he slides back to 23rd. Um, then we get a caution for the 19, and the and the 19 even says, "What's the caution for for me?" They just threw it so fast. They threw it so fast, <laughs> and it's like you know they wanted a caution. They were looking. They were hoping something fell off. They were hoping a, if that guy would have threw the cucumber earlier in the race, there would have been a caution. <laughs> you know, I mean, he did the, get sideways there was smoke i i and there's cars you know coming at him so i understand it but yeah i, I thought it was funny when he said wait w- was that for me yeah, i mean <laughs> so it, it, and it also really... i mean you talk about i talk about luck about you know the bad luck for logano talk about the good luck here he hits the wall but he hits it at a, an angle to where it doesn't break the the toe link in the back of that car or you know his yeah. playoffs would be over yeah, at that point would be over yeah um so the, we pit at this point, and it's a 9.50. This is the Pytech uh, pit stop of the race, uh, as, as noted on all the Penske sites. And, uh, you know, we restart lap uh, 369 in, in 21st here. Uh, the 11 is leading at this point, And uh, lap two, 486, he ends up in 22nd, which is where he ends up finishing. And uh, Denny ends up winning. And this is survive in advance time. You know, this is – you. You know, he built up enough points in the first two races to put himself where he needed to be. So the third race wasn't desperation need to win. Um, you know, hopefully that's what the next uh, three weeks look like too, you know? Yeah. They just need to reset. Like this race did not go their way. Uh, I think we mentioned in last week's episode that, you know, his results at Bristol are kind of up and down. He's had some really good runs. The next gen car hasn't been necessarily as kind. I mean, it just seemed like outside of, the 17 who ran up front for a little bit, the 34, I mean, man, 34 is probably wishing they did not have their problem. They had a Darlington because that's mm-hmm. another guy. He yeah. ran up in the top five, top 10, the entire race had a great finish. Ricky Stenhouse jr. In the 47 car ran in the top 10, much of the race finished 10th. I believe a couple of those guys that, you know, when you come into the playoffs with so few playoff points, uh, I think the 34 probably didn't have any, the 47 did have five from the win, but or the 34 might have had a couple from some stage, yeah, but he had, well, he had um, five from the win, too. Oh, that's right. Um, yeah, he won. yeah. Um, so you know, Rod, uh, Rodney Childers' interview 
post-race I found very interesting because he stated that all the Fords ran crappy except the 34. And he talked about the tire tests that they had there and the side force tests that they had and how these things should have given them some data that they could have used. And they all had it and shared it except for the 34 team. The 34 team didn't have the data, didn't get it shared to them or however they, or they didn't refuse, just didn't want to use it. And they're the only ones that actually ran really well. So um, a lot of guys going to be, a lot of guys going to be looking at their notebooks uh, post-race on this one. Um, luckily they don't go back to Bristol this year. <laughs> you know, Martinsville is a different breed. So, you know, hopefully uh, they'll figure it out by next year. Cause they're going to run it twice next year. Yeah. Like you said, survive in advance. That's what they did. It's time to reset uh, three tracks ahead that they've run really well on in Ryan's career. And oh, he's um, won it all on three of these tracks. Yep, absolutely. Um, taking a look at the NASCAR Cup Series point standings now, as again, I keep saying reset over and over again, as they reset again for this round, um, the drivers that were eliminated from playoff contention were Joey Logano, Kevin Harvick, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., Michael McDowell. Um, so now the points go as follows. William Byron's a leader at plus 25, tied with Martin Truex Jr., also plus 25, Hamlin's plus 21, Larson is plus 12. Busher is plus 10. Kyle Bush is plus eight. Bell is plus five. Tyler Reddick is the driver on the bubble at just plus three. Uh, Ross Chastain in the number one car is ninth at minus three. Keselowski is 10th also at minus three. Ryan Blaney now 11th in the standings below the cut line, minus six points. And Bubba Wallace, uh, we didn't mention Bubba, but man, you talk about a team on the brink that needed to execute, have a solid day got stage points ran up front slipped a little bit at the end 23 car has a lot to be proud of making the playoffs in the first place and executing this round of the playoffs and coming from i think is 19 points behind 19, 19 points behind it's the second yeah. biggest deficit to come come back from the cut line on the last race so yeah, yeah huge 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 job i mean you know it's funny is, is i think there were only nine cars on the lead lap by the end of the race um you know ryan had been lapped two, three times, but Bubba was running 12th, 13th and he got lapped, you know? Yep. So, I mean, a long green flag runs, uh, just, just being committed to where you were and not letting anybody be able to pass you, you know, was worth it. Yeah. Kudos to them. Booty Barker, the one of Dave's former crew chiefs and Bubba mm-hmm. on that, but here they are again in a deficit minor. They're at the biggest deficit of all the playoff drivers right now in 12th position minus 14 points to the cut line. So again, Ryan Blaney, 11th position minus six, you know, he went into this first round of the playoffs. Uh, was it minus one or plus one? He was, he was above the cut line, right? So he's coming no, into, into this. In, yeah. In, into the, um, I've erased my board. You mean coming into the round of 16? Yep. Now he was like, yeah, he was like five, six, seven, eight. Plus eight, eight maybe, points. I think. Yeah, something, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So he was, yeah. Now he's got so now he comes in, yeah, minus six now. So not a huge amount to overcome here, but man, you can't have a mistake though. This is <laughs> in this, in this, this is, next round. So well, this is the fun part is you know, how are the other eleven guys gonna perform versus you? You know, you could go out in stage one of the next race and finish second in stage and have four or five guys not get stage points. And if it's the right four or five guys. And you're right back up into the, above the cut line, you know, going into stage two. So this is very make up, you know, make upable. I almost made up a word, 
this is this can be made up basically within the first stage depending on what the other 11 guys do um you know just like martin truex all, almost proved you could be at the top of this board to start around and by the end of the round get knocked out of the playoffs so even though he has a 25 point uh advantage right now that could disappear in two weeks also so um what i find really interesting besides you know the, there's only three forwards is that you know ryan's the only penske there's two rfks and you've got both the 2311 cars are still in it too so there's two programs there who have made leaps and bounds within within uh, a year um I mean, this is both year two of you know, RFK has been around, but I mean, of the Brad Brad era there, um, really, really performing well um, at the right time of the year. So, um, really though, I you know, if we're going to analyze it a little bit, I, like I said, I, within the first stage or two, I can see them jumping above the cut line and just, like I said, stay steady in the first couple of weeks, get to the third week where you don't need to do anything crazy, and then sure you can points race and stay out uh, while others pit uh, at the Roval, you know. So that's it from Bristol. The stage is set now for the round of 12 in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs. Well, Steve, I'm going to start this special interview out with a riddle. Mm -hmm. Um, If you've been to a NASCAR race in the past couple of years, you've seen this driver on track, but you probably don't know his name. (laughs) Lucky for us, we do. (laughs) He drives in all the series on on track. Uh He does. And his name is uh, Josh Novak. And Josh, welcome to the Team Blaney podcast. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Didn't think you'd be introduced that way, did you? No, that was that was a great that was a great introduction. (laughs) I like that. (laughs) So, Josh, you are an integral part of the NASCAR, uh, not just the Cup Series, but as Steve said, Xfinity Series, Truck Series, the the weekend at the racetrack. And because of that, you are uh, one of the drivers out there. I don't know what, what, what to call it specifically. It's like the track prep team. It's not the track drying team. You drive one of those big trucks out there that helps get racing going every weekend. Yeah, it's it's called the Elgin Track Sweeper. It's essentially a, um, a specially built uh, road sweeper that's for racetrack. So it, it can go in certain bankings without leaking any fluids out of it or anything like that. Um, it's a little bit heavier duty, so it can go on the racetrack. Um, yeah, I, I didn't realize before I started how much that Elgin actually can do it. It does a lot of stuff. Yeah. The, um, the, for those who are unfamiliar, uh, totally unfamiliar, you actually have a TikTok page, um, under Jan man 33, J A N M A N N 33. And, yeah. uh, every once in a while when NASCAR lets you, uh, <laughs> you'll kind of put out a little video behind the scenes and, um, the one I saw that was really, really a big one was uh, I think it's Charlotte uh, for the um, the 600 there when it rained that weekend and uh, you were actually just emptying out that thing. Um, how much water was in there? Um, I was completely full and I believe uh, when at, when the back end is completely full, it's 1,200 gallons. So it was tip top full. Like I, I turned the the back engine off and you could see the water spitting out of the side door and I'm like, yeah, I need to go dump. <laughs> So, um, yeah, that was, that was one of my more popular videos. If I, if I'm on the track, any, any one of my videos that I'm on track, it usually is a pretty popular video. So Mm -hmm. it's kind of neat. Now, um, kind of like 
explain to us like, you know, where you came from and how you got to NASCAR. Cause when we do these interviews with uh, a lot of different people we've done, you know, they have a certain path where they slept on somebody's couch or they, or they, you know, were mechanic here and they went to the dirt track, you know, yours is a little bit different because of, of what you do. Um, how did you get to NASCAR? What, uh, what kind of things were you able to do uh, in your career, uh, to get the, to where you're at now? So I started off driving, driving a regular semi truck, hauling freight across the country. Um, I, I, I was in a, a truck competition. They, they call it like a truck rodeo, uh, up in North Dakota because my company was based out of there and I got second place. Nice big old trophy that sits above my, my mantle. <laughs> um, and then I ended up, I, I met a girl, moved to Arkansas, and I went local. And on Facebook, I'm on, I'm in a group, uh, an army group and a trucker group. And this one guy, he was in both groups with me. And he said, oh, I started working for NASCAR. And I'm like, oh, tell me more about it. He'd show me pictures. And at the end of the season, he's like, you know, I'm, I'm leaving. Why don't you put your application in? And I'm like, all right, I will. And this was back in 2019. So put my application in. I drove from Arkansas to North Carolina for the interview. They called me two days later saying, hey, you want to come work? I'm like, yup. So January of 2019, I, I drove out and embarked on my first season of NASCAR. And, and that season, I, I did cup boxes. So I, I hauled around uh, the 24, the 15, the 4, and 18. So that, that's some of the pit boxes I hauled that year. What company is this actually working for NASCAR or is this... Um, yeah, it, they, their only customer is NASCAR and NASCAR team it's called Champion Tire and Wheel. Great company. It's uh, it's a lot of fun to work for them. And now, so you just mentioned the fact that you are hauling pit boxes. So people might think that the trucks that are out, you know, we've, we've interviewed hauler drivers on this podcast before. They might think that the team hauler has everything in it that everybody needs. But in fact, your company kind of steps in and brings a lot of the extra equipment around to the track that they need to operate throughout the weekend. Correct. Yep. We haul their, their pit boxes, uh, their little, they used to be called crash carts. I don't know what they're called now. Uh, it's the little box that sits behind their pit box on pit road. Um, we haul some of their generators, um, golf carts, things like that, uh, grills for some of the teams that they do their own cooking. We haul their grills and stuff, their fridges. So, well, we were, we were doing a little history on you and, um, we, we saw we saw some things um in the past there that you've done too that kind of like are interesting because nobody's like um quite done some of the things you've done and you know you're still a young guy too so can you tell us a little bit how about how you were famous in your hometown i'm famous there for a couple reasons the first reason i was the youngest person in michigan to ever run for a county sheriff i didn't get it but i ran twice um, and in between the two elections, I actually put out a video on YouTube of me ordering Taco Bell in the voice of Elmo, and it went crazy viral. I think it's at 3 million views right now, but it's like 14 or 15 years old. So it's, mm-hmm. I, I still get comments on it. I, I still get a handful of comments every week, and people are like, man, this was like my jam back in the day, or I can't believe I'm still here watching this video 12 years, 13 years later. And I'm just like, man, great. I got a lot of fans out there and they really love it. I, I really wish I would have kept up with it, but Steve uh, mentioned your TikTok. So obviously you had that experience like really early on with, with social media back then. Um, What got you into um, kind of starting this TikTok that, that turned theme toward, you know, kind of what your job is and uh, giving kind of people a little bit of a, a behind the scenes peek 
maybe on a on an effort in NASCAR that they have known nothing about. Yeah, I, I figured that, you know, a lot of people don't really understand what goes on to prepare for a NASCAR race or setting it up. So I figured, hey, I can show a couple of things because a couple of the drivers here have pretty big followings on TikTok and they did the same thing. I'm like, no, let me try it out. And the first video I did um, that actually got some attention was me hooking up airlines to a boring trailer and I got like 14,000 views. And I'm like, I didn't even do anything. I, I put an airline on the trailer. That's all I did. <laughs> so. After that, I kind of gained a little bit of traction. Like, I'm not, like, huge on TikTok, but I do have enough uh, subscribers I can go live. So I, I've done a few lives, and, you know, people ask me questions, and I'll, I'll give them answers. And, like, and it's usually when I'm sitting at the racetrack when I get there. I got time. I sit out, and I hang out, and I interact and answer questions and things like that. Yeah, I think I saw one from Atlanta. You know, it was like you was great because you were able to just answer question after question and pretty much till everybody was done asking questions. It's, you know, it was really, really a cool thing. Um, what does your week look like? Like we were talking, before, I think, before we went on about um, how you don't get close to home very often during the 36 weeks, 37 weeks, um, 38 weeks that the season goes on. What does your travel look like? And then what does your weekend itself look like as far as what you have to do? So Sunday at the end of the race, um, I take my Elgin to um, like the maintenance building and they have like piles. I'll dump my Elgin. I'll, I'll dump all the, the stuff I've picked up throughout the weekend. And then I, I hold water on board. I have a 300-gallon water tank. So I'll spray it out with the pressure washer. I have a pressure washer on there. Um, I'll spray out the back end, get it clean, looking good for the road. Um, and then I dump all the water out of it from the holding tank. And then I take it to where our trucks are at, where the Tundra guys are. And I, I load my trailer and I, I haul one, I haul one air Tundra, my Elgin and our company van, one of our company vans. We have two of them. I'll get on the road and depending on how far away the track is, like I'll use uh, Kansas, for instance, I made it a couple hours down the road and called it a night, took my 10 hours off, got back on the road and finished out my journey here to Bristol. We'll usually get there the day before unload. So we'll take the trucks off our trailer and just park them, kind of get things ready. We'll sit around. We'll hang out with other guys who, are, who got there early. And then the next morning we'll get up. Um, we usually start doing everything between 7 and 8 in the morning. Um, we have to put together all the air tundra. So I, I help on that since I'm still technically part of the air tundra crew. We'll put them together. And then we go park our semi-trucks. And then we go to our hotel. And depending on... You know, how early or how late we get to the hotel, you know, we might have a day or two off and then we'll go to the track. We attend the track service meeting because we're on track after the, the meeting. They have what is called breakouts and each little division of the track service team goes and does their thing with their like NASCAR liaison. So, you know, um, the tow truck guys, fire EMS, um, restoration, which I'm part of restoration. We'll go, and usually our liaison is the, the race director for that race. So he'll, he'll talk to us. He'll let us know, like, the schedule of events, um, what he'll be looking for. Um, and his main job is to make sure we stay safe on the track while we do our thing, whether, you know, it's a cleanup truck going out and putting down product if there's oil out or me going out to vacuum up that trail of oil dry He's looking out for us to make sure we're out there. So we don't just go out there and drive out on the track willy-nilly. We'll stop at the edge of where our cutout is, and he'll say, okay, Elgin, you're clear to go out, go high. 
and then I go out, I go up to the high side of the racetrack and I do what he says. And then I get cleared back to my, my cutout to make sure I don't get hit by a car, especially if I'm on the low side of the track and I'm, they just did pit stops and I have to cross the exit to the pit road. I usually stop right before the exit and let the race director tell me, Hey, Elgin, you're clear to cross pit road. Cause if I don't, a car will hit me and that will not be good. And I don't really want to make ESPN's top 10 list of stupid sports mistakes. <laughs> Something similar to that. And it has a Blaney connection to it. Now this would have been well before your time with the, the track crew, but uh, Dave Blaney, Ryan's dad was leading the Daytona 500 uh, when that kind of infamous Juan Pablo Montoya hitting the the track dryer happened and Dave's leading the race and there's a potential that the race was going to be called at that point. Um, now I said it's before your time, but is that still among that group? Is that still like a, a story that they kind of hand down <laughs> over the years or still kind of point to or point to in just a way to how to maybe to avoid anything like that in the future? Yeah, the, it comes up every once in a while between the guys, especially the ones who were there when it happened. And that's why we all wear like helmets and fire suits now um, because of that. At least that's what I'm told. So I got a fire suit I wear. I got a helmet I wear. Um, but that's directly because of Juan Pablo Montoya hitting the jet dryer. <laughs> I remember watching that race and I was just blown away. I was like, wow. Uh, there's always potential for you know a mistake to happen. And you don't want to be that guy, but that's, that's why they tell you, you know, keep your head on a swivel, keep looking, even if they say you're clear, look out your mirrors, look out the window to make sure you are. I do have a lot of trust in the race director, though, because he, he sees everything, or she. So I, I do have a lot of trust that they are telling me truthful things that I'm, I'm good to go so I don't get hit by a race car because I can guarantee that's going to hurt. <laughs> so, okay, we get to, let's say, race day. Um, how early do you got to be there on race day? And then what kind of, like prep do they do before race versus uh you know after race or during a race even so it depends on what time the race is so like let's say the race is at two o'clock um track service meeting is typically going to be about noon and we want to get there to kind of beat the traffic if it's one of those races where we have to so our hotel is usually within a half hour from the racetrack we have to leave and get to the racetrack before track service. I mean, usually we'll stop at a gas station, fill up our, our rental cars with some gas, get some snacks or something, a drink. Sometimes it's an early day. Like now we do, we blow the track off before every race. And that's usually like four hours before track service meeting, especially on the cup days because they have like pace car rides. They bring out the stage. So we can't do an adequate cleaning before the race. So we have to do it like way before track service meeting. So I'm, there's, there's been times we've been at the racetrack by seven o'clock to get ready and do stuff. And then we're off for four hours before track service meeting. It's like, oh, okay, that's fun. Now Daytona is the closest track to me. So I've sat through numerous uh, rain delays and crash cleanups and a variety of things. What is it like to uh, maybe be part of a team that fans probably don't want to see out on the track too often because if you're out on the track that means cars most likely aren't out on track except for maybe just the typical uh, stage breaks or something like that yeah we uh there's been times we've been booed going out even before i did the elgin like last season i was strictly on air tundras we'd go out and they would they would cheer for us say oh yay awesome they're out here and then after you know it stops raining. We're, we're drying the track. It starts raining again. We got to stop. They get a little agitated and they're like, okay, come on. It's, it's time to race. And we, we have got booed before. 
Um, nothing too crazy. Maybe it was kind of a just a joke, but we we've been booed before, and it's part of the job. The race doesn't go on without a dry track, so we have to we got to be out there to dry it. So, do you ever get frustrated? Because again, having sat through many of these, and even um, I think it was Atlanta, yeah, earlier this year or a few months ago, where the race was about to start. You guys got the track dry. Everything's ready to go. They did some ceremonies and then it just rains again and that just causes another delay. And then it rains again later on and the race gets called. Is it ever frustrating? Like right when you guys get the, the all clear, everything's dry, go to pull off. And then seconds later, it just starts to downpour again. Now, I know it's a job, but it's still probably a little frustrating. Yeah, it does get a little, <clears throat> a little frustrating because, you know, you've been out there for a couple hours making that them laps to get the track dry. And you're just like, man, all that work, I just, I just wasted all that. I mean, I guess it's not really wasted because we don't know if the rain's going to come back or not. So, um, but yeah, it, it gets a little frustrating because you did all that work and then you got to stop and you got to do it all over again. I mean, some tracks take two hours to get completely dry. Some tracks are a little bit faster. Um, if it's warm out, it takes less time because the heat from the track will help dry too. And if it's windy, um, I think we had a track dry in like 45 minutes one day. I can't remember which one it was. It was a smaller track, though, not real big. We had the track dry in 45 minutes. I was like, yeah. <laughs> when um, the, the NASCAR app um, has, uh, you know, scanner, and um, they do actually have the, the, the officials channel on there. And sometimes, actually, when there is a weather delay, I actually listen. So what everybody has, like, a code name or something like that? Or each truck they call truck out to to the truck by the type of truck or something like that? How how do they call you out there? Yeah, they, they'll call you out by, like, what your truck is. So, like, a cleanup truck is usually, like, a white pickup truck. And it's got the, the attachment on the back that's got, like, a broom and, like, a um, like a hopper full of that oil dry. That'll be a cleanup truck. And they're usually numbered based on what turn they're in. So like cleanup one would be like turn one, cleanup three would be turn three. Uh, me is just the Elgin. If we're at, uh, so any road course or two mile track, we'll have two Elgins. The red Elgin, which is me, I'll be Elgin one. And our blue, the blue Elgin will be Elgin two. And some tracks have their own Elgin. So Kansas has their own Elgin. So they'll, they'll do the same thing. They'll call him Elgin two. They'll call me Elgin one. He calls Elgin two. I just, I sit there. I watch all the action happen. I don't get to go out and play on the racetrack. And then, like, uh, I don't I don't listen to the fire channel. That's a whole separate channel just because mm-hmm. it would be so much traffic. Yeah. Um, so I'm on I'm on the specific race director channel. The wreckers are fire ambulance wreckers. They're all on the same channel. So they 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 deal with another person that's up in the tower with the race director that's sending them out to an accident or a scene that they got to take care of. So I don't get to hear any of that. I just hear what's ever on the main channel. Now, you mentioned that uh, you you were watching the race when there was the incident with Juan Pablo. So you have been watching NASCAR for at least, you know, a little while. Did you grow up as a kid watching the sport, too? And did you have favorite drivers along the way? I did. I actually lived in Daytona Beach for about six months when I was like five. And I remember going past the racetrack all the time. But that's about I, I believe I started watching about 92 um, being a young, I didn't, I didn't know what it was all about. I just like seeing the cars flip over because, you know, I'm like five or six. I'm like, oh, cool. As I got older, I realized you don't really want to see the crashes like that. Um, so yeah, I've, I've been, I've been a fan for a long time. I'm going to get a lot of flack for this, but my favorite driver was Jeff Gordon. My mom hated it because she was, uh, she was a Mark Martin and Rusty Wallace fan. And there's really no driver that I dislike. Other than that, yeah, my, 
right now I, I follow like Kyle Larson, um, Ryan Blaney and, uh, Eric Jones. I like him. He's a Michigan boy too. So yeah. <laughs> I got a Brad the two the two guys from Michigan. I kind of, kind of follow them a little bit. I, I like Eric Jones a little bit more than Brad Kozlowski, but I'll, I'll still root him on. I mean, he's been doing some cool stuff this year. So do you um, ever get a lot, any um, interaction with any of the drivers, you know, during a weekend at all, or. Um, know, not weekend? a whole lot. Um, I have seen like, uh, Oh, who did I see? Oh, I saw Ryan priest last weekend doing a track walk and I kind of gave him a nod. He waved to me. Um, I actually, when it was at Martinsville, when he got the pole, I actually went up to him and congratulated him. Cause he's, he's also one of my favorite drivers. I actually, funny story. I, back in 2019, we went to GoPro in Mooresville mm-hmm. and I actually got to race with him. Well, I ended up having a, the back end of his car from, from the first Talladega race and it was in my car. And one of the guys I worked with was with me and he, he's a jokester, you know, he's one of them guys and see this guy in a big lifted truck park next to me, he got out and he's like, he's just talking crap. And uh, he's like, oh yeah, hey, we got a back end of a Ryan Priest uh, car in the back seat of his car. We'll sell it to you real cheap. And he just kind of laughed and kept going. Turns out it was Ryan Priest. We tried to sell Ryan <laughs> Priest. Uh, I'm like, oh, great. But I, I figured like I was going to try to keep up with him at GoPro. No, he was like 20 seconds ahead of me the whole time. I thought I was going fast. That dude didn't even slow down on the corners. I'm like, I don't know how you do it, but he's a professional race car driver. I'm not. So that's why he was that much better than me. <laughs> that's kind of going to be my next question was that you've you've made probably more laps than anybody outside of uh, a driver out on these cup series tracks. Did it ever cross your mind? Uh, did it ever cross your mind to actually get into a race car at, at any level? So, I mean, you've, you've been go-karting, but any other inkling to do it beyond that? Cause you probably know all the good lines. Yeah. I've, I've always thought of it, you know, as a kid, even as a teenager, I should drive like a late model or a dirt car or something. And, it's just never materialized, but I do know some people that work for the NASCAR experience and I'm getting a ride in a car before I die. So like whether I take a ride or actually drive, but I'm going to do it soon. Um, kind of hoping Phoenix, I get that chance. Cause I know, I think they're going to be out there for Phoenix. So I'm like, ah, let me get a ride. <laughs> I got to do it one time. I got to, a ride along. I wasn't driving it, but I got to do a ride along at Bristol actually of all places. And, uh, the- <laughs> The G-forces just in the seat are just, they're incredible. Yeah, it's quite a feeling. I can't imagine driving it, but I was sitting there there for it. Wow. Yeah, Uh, Bristol is one of those tracks that the Elgin Track Sweeper does not go in the banking on. So I I, I don't get to experience the the banking in a vehicle, but I have climbed up the wall in the middle of turns one and two. And let me tell you, it does not look that steep until you actually run up that thing and you're like, Mm -hmm. wow. And mm-hmm. then you get up there and you stand up and you turn around and face the inside of the racetrack. And then you kind of get that, that wobbly feeling because like it's so steep and you can't really see the ground in front of you when you're looking straight ahead. And it took me a minute to get my bearings to actually come back down, but you kind of want to go down sideways. If you go forward, you might fall <laughs> over. <laughs> yeah. I could see going end over end pretty easily. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now I've mentioned, we've talked to, you know, hauler drivers before on the show and they've kind of mentioned, you know, they were in the industry outside of NASCAR hauling stuff, just like you were, and just kind of discovered this idea like, oh, I could, you know, I love the sport. 
I could be involved in it. Would you recommend kind of what you do, even if you, it wasn't part of the the track maintenance team, but even if you were just one of the ones that was hauling the equipment around the country, uh, would you, you know, recommend uh, this type of job to anybody else out there? And um, is it possible? Is it attainable for people out there to, to do what you do? It absolutely is. Um, they, they actually hire from all over the country. Um, they don't require a racing background. They do require you to be a hard worker, though. But, yeah, anybody can apply. Um, you do have to have a Class A CDL updated with your, your medical card to be able to do this job. Unless you want to work in the tire shop, you can do that. But we, we, we hire all sorts of people, no, no racing background required. And then if you ever want to move on to, like, a team job or something, it's, it's a little bit easier to attain a team job when, you're, when you've said you've worked for champions. Well, Josh, you know, I really want to thank you uh, for giving us this time. It was really, we've been following you on social media uh, pretty much all year long. I know Steve was a big fan early on and really was uh, hoping we can get to to chat with you. And like I said, we're big fans. We've, we've seen you run plenty of laps for sure. <laughs> <laughs> thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. I tell all my friends, like I, I run every race and I finish 180 laps down. That's, that's what I tell them. Cause I, I get out there and I do at least five, six, seven laps. So <laughs> Awesome. But yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on the show. All right. Thanks again. Well, Steve, that was a really fun interview that we just had there with uh, with Josh Novak, driver of that Elgin, that big Elgin sweeper truck that, uh, like as we've said before, most of you have probably seen run around tracks across the country. And now you know the guy that's behind the wheel. And uh, mm-hmm. thanks for setting that one up, Steve. That was kind of fun. Yeah. You know, he's, um, you know, he, like we said in, in there, he's, uh, he's got, um, a little bit of a TikTok thing going on. You know, if you can follow that, go ahead and follow it. He's, he tries to come out some stuff when he can, when he's a lot, you know, when he's got time to do it, he's not, you know, doing it while he's out there driving that thing. But um, yeah, Bristol, he only got like one or two chances to go on the track. You know, he was like, I messaged him later on with a picture and he was like, yeah, darn, I wish I was out there more, but uh, they really didn't have a lot to clean up. Luckily, um, you know, not a lot of the crashes. So, but, uh, we'll, we'll see what happens in the weeks to come here and um, keep an eye out for him on the track there. You know, if you're at a race or something, uh, give him a wave, you know, those guys, uh, are there every week and they do a hell of a job and they're, they're kind of like, he messaged me back about getting some, uh, you know, being recognized a little bit because there are guys like you said earlier that travel every week to every track and do all these things and nobody pays attention until it starts raining or you know when they're mad about something or whatever but these guys are there every week to make sure that everything runs as smoothly as possible one more thing to wrap up from the trip to bristol motor speedway and that is the results from our team blaney nascar fantasy live leak and what have i been saying all year, Steve, is that my team heats up in the playoffs, and here we are once again at a great week for my team in the NASCAR Fantasy League. I'll go over my starting lineup. Denny Hamlin, the winner, got me 47 points. Brad Keselowski got me 33. Ty Gibbs, 42. Uh, my my uh, low man on the totem pole here, the one that did not get me too many points, Kyle Busch, which was kind of shocking. Kyle Busch getting lapped at Bristol. Didn't have a good night. Only 17 points. Christopher Bell, number one ranking in points, got me 54, had Ryan Blaney in the garage. Obviously, that was a good decision with the way that 12 teams run went. Unfortunately, take a look at my featured matchups. I had Martin Truex Jr. over Harvick. That was right. I had Bubba Wallace over Logano. That was right. I had Bell over Busher. That was right. And that's the only one I got wrong. I had Ryan over Kyle Busch, and that was wrong by just two positions. So I ended up with 223 points earned, eighth position 
in points earned at Bristol. Can you top that? Uh, no. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> but you knew that already. Um, you know, I had a decent lineup. I had Hamlin. I had Reddick. Uh, Ryan ended up being the low man on my totem pole. Uh, Larson, Bell. Bell gets all the stage points by winning the first two stages. Um, I did not do very well with the picks, unfortunately. Um, you know, nothing extra, <laughs> extra down there. Um, but, uh, overall, you know, I still got some points, but, uh, I need to pay better attention to it. There was just way too much going on with, uh, although I did have Logano in the garage, so I kind of lucked out yeah. there because I couldn't have changed anything when I got to the racetrack anyway. That's the other thing. Um, some tracks have great Wi-Fi. Um, Bristol's not there yet. <laughs> They're not one of them. <laughs> not yet. So, um, work on that Bristol, you know give us that much at least uh, so we can social media the crap out of it while we're there. But uh, yeah, I'm waiting for next week. Onward to Texas. So you ended up in the a tie, a three-way tie for the 40th position in points earned at Bristol with 190 points. Let's take a look at the top 10 tied for 10th bears motor club and factory of sadness six with 221 points. Ninth big burn 222. My team, Team Blaney host Adam in eighth, 223. Seventh, Whip Wilson at 228. Sixth is Adjuster 4, 230. Fifth is Fike 21, 238. Go 12 Go was in fourth with 243 points. And third was Doug QC with 246. Second was the Nutty Gamer at 256. And by one point, zero Schlitz given with 257 points wins the weekend at Bristol Motor Speedway. Let's move over to the overall playoff standings. Your team, Mez 12, just slipped outside the top 10 this week in the 11th position with 620 points. Tied for ninth, we have U.S. Calvin and Fike 21 with 625. In eighth is JD Racing, 626. Seventh, Factory of Sadness 6, 640. Tied for fifth here between Moose Hunter 1960 and Cool Guy 2K at 641. Fourth, Whip Wilson, 644. My team, Team Lady Host Adam, third position, 649 points, ring the bell. Second, zero Schlitz, given 661. And in the first position in the playoff standings, the Nutty Gamer, 674 points. Man, I don't even want to read overall anymore. Let's just stick to these playoff standings because things are looking good for me. Um, But we will go to the overall standings where things are a little bit different, though I have moved up multiple positions getting into the uh the low 30s now 34th position for my team with 5258 points um you have i think you're holding steady around this around the same area here 15th position mez 12 5471 points uh let's take a look at the top 10 in the overall standing so these are points that have been earned all throughout the year we have a tie for ninth go 12 go jd racing 5527 points in eighth, we have Fike 21, 5,556. Seventh is Blaring Idiots, 5,594. Sixth is Eric D15, 5,603. Fifth is Go Larson, 5,624. And fourth is Christian Dana, 5,628. Third is Penske Fan 24, 5,643. Second is Blaney's Daisy, 5,726. And leading the way in the overall standings in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League is still Factory of Sadness 6. 5,793 points. And that brings us to Bristol Motor Speedway's in the rear view. Texas Motor Speedway is out the windshield. 
as we head there this weekend for the NASCAR Cup Series racing and Xfinity Series racing. It's going to kick off on Saturday, September 23rd. 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time, NASCAR Cup Series practice and qualifying on USA, followed at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time by the NASCAR Xfinity Series, Andy's Frozen Custard 300, also on USA. And then Sunday, the first round, or the first race in the round of 12 in the NASCAR Cup Series playoffs at 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the Auto Trader, Ecker, the Auto Trader, man, this one always trips me up every year, I think three years in a row, Auto Trader, Echo Park, Automotive 400, on the USA Network, Texas Motor Speedway in Fort Worth, one of Ryan Blaney's best NASCAR Cup Series tracks. Average start of ninth, average finish of 15.5, eight top tens, four top fives, and just 14 starts. And I can tell you his statistics would be better if not for his first three career races where he finished 42nd, 43rd, and 29. Outside of that, all top 15 finishes except for once in 2019, he went out with overheating, finished 37th. The last one, two, three, four, five races at Texas Motor Speedway, all top 10s, and that's not counting his win in the NASCAR All-Star Race just a couple of years ago. So last few finishes, 8th, 7th, 4th, 6th, 4th, and throw in that victory in the NASCAR All-Star Race, so... He has run well there in the next-gen car, fourth last year in this race. I'd say we kick off this round of the playoffs with a really solid finish. And, man, I would just love to see that 12 car out there contending for the win this weekend. Yeah, let's get um, let's get to the top 10 um, in uh, the the uh, in the in uh, qualifying first. You know, let's get to the chance for qualifier for the pole because we know that the car is, you know, once he gets there, he can do it. Um and then uh, get up near the front and stay out there most of the day. Stay away from the trouble. Like I said, you're not just trying to race for yourself for points, um, but the other 11 guys and what they do during the day have a lot, you know, of effect too. So, you know, right now get to the point where you're end end the weekend uh, above that cut line and moving forward, you know, so uh, I'm sure they're a big picture race that way. Um, what's interesting in, in, about this, this year now is uh, Joey is out. So let's see what happens with the uh, practice and qualifying is Joey and group a and Ryan and group B. I know they were trying to Austin was trying to help both programs too, but um, a lot of times Joey, I think runs some uh, setups there similar to, to Ryan's even. So it'd be interesting to see if they try and do something a little opposite or try to bounce something off the wall in the 22 camp to see if it'll help the 12 camp, you know? So that'll be interesting to see too, during practice and qualifying. Yeah, that's one of those things. I mean, that's the first thing a lot of see I saw people talking about in our Discord chat after the Bristol race was, all right, now Team Penske can throw all their weight behind the 12, all their resources behind the 12. And I mean, to some extent, that's probably true, but they still also want to get the two and 22 into victory lane or great finishes. I mean, you know, you know, Joey might be out of the playoffs now, but if he has, you know, an outstanding run through the end of the playoffs, he can still keep moving up in the the point standings and the owner's point standings. And that, that means a lot as far as money and, and everything else goes for those teams. So they have a lot to race for the rest of the way. But like you said, there is an opportunity for them to, to try a few things out in an effort to, to help the 12 car. Yeah. And I'm sure on track during the race, um, you'll see uh, if there's an occasion where they're running near each other, that he'll try to do some things to, 
to make sure that the 12 can get by and maybe better other people, and other people can't get by. This is owed. Yeah, this, <laughs> In my this is true. This is true. You're right. I, I wasn't going to go that aggressively toward it, but you're right. I it's, am. <laughs> yeah, you're right. It's owed. It's owed. It's owed. Um, you used the term wingman somewhere in a post, didn't you? This past uh... was that too soon? <laughs> no, no, that's exactly right. As it's exactly what I thought of too. Is uh, to now it's your turn to be the wingman, buddy. And uh, you know, as a two-time champion, I'm sure he can figure out how to do that. Um, it'd be it'd be fun to watch. You know, it'd be fun to watch to see what happens. But I I'm pretty sure he'll, he's going to help out. Um, I'm sure Ford, you know, wants to make sure that uh, that Penske has a Ford that makes it to the next round. Uh, too so so let's um you know we just talked about fantasy so let's kind of bring fantasy back into this discussion heading texas motor speedway i think ryan blaney is going to be one of those folks that i'm going to have in my starting lineup because of his success here at this track Uh, let's take a look at back at the last 10 winners here and remember um we had two races here for several years Uh, this is the first year right in a while that they haven't had two full races because they took away the one race and uh, sent it over North Wilkesboro this year. And prior mm-hmm. to that, the other race was the all-star race for a few years. So yeah. uh, last 10 races, I'll go all the way back to 2017 with Jimmy Johnson, who's not going to be in the field. Uh, Kevin Harvick, Kyle Busch, Kevin Harvick, Denny Hamlin, Kevin Harvick, Austin Dillon, Kyle Busch, Kyle Larson, Tyler Reddick. Um, Kevin Harvick was just eliminated from the playoffs has had a ton of success at this track. Kyle Busch kind of has his back against the wall a little bit. He is above the cut line in the playoff standings. He also is in the car that won this race last year. So mm-hmm. who are you looking at as far as fantasy lineups go, or just who do you think is going to be strong uh, in this run at Texas Motor Speedway? Um, right now, the 11 team is hot. I mean, they won the last week and they probably could have won the two races before that if it weren't for, cautions at the wrong time and so forth um the 20 car has gotten the pole for three consecutive weeks um now if his pit crew which they swap pit crews by the way but if his pit crew actually performs well uh who knows because uh, they actually swap pit crews and it didn't work out for him for a couple of weeks there so who knows sometimes not all the pit crew either i'm just saying but um the those are those are two guys you know from the toyota camp um and like I said, the Fords are the RFK Fords and Ryan. So it's really interesting to see like uh Busher or Keselowski, how they're going to, to get up there. And then, you know, Hendrick is just Hendrick, you know, they show up and they do their thing, you know, um, interesting, a little point too, about that is the, you were talking about guys still running for owners points and stuff. Uh, the nine car is actually still in the owners championship points. Yep. Um, 23 so is out. The 20, yeah, 20, just 23. Yeah. The 23 is out. So, the nine car, um, these next three weeks still has something to race for himself also. Um, and we know that from what we learned last year, owner's points is everything because, um, those guys, uh, get paid on owner's points. They don't get paid out by the, where the, where the, uh, driver finishes end of the year. So, um, that'd be kind of, kind of interesting too, to see what, what they do in the next uh, three weeks. Yeah. I'm definitely looking at some of those Toyota cars. Wouldn't it be a statement if, uh, 2311 and Bubba Wallace went out and won this race, you know, really good at Kansas. They've been really good on these mile and a half style tracks. Uh, his teammate Tyler Reddick won last year, obviously in an RCR car though. So the 45 is another guy mm-hmm. that that could contend, but I think you're right. Denny Hamlin. I don't know if it's, this is his season of destiny. Now there's a lot of races to go a few more rounds to go in the playoffs, but 
you know, there's a time when this team was hitting on all cylinders at the right time. It's now, and not a Denny Hamlin fan. And obviously as while Ryan Blaney is in this playoff run, I want Ryan Blaney to win the championship. Mm-hmm. But um, I know there's a lot of people out there that maybe aren't even fans of Hamlin, but might want to see him get that monkey off his back and finally win a championship to go on, you know, with all the other crown jewel races and everything else, all those trophies he has on his mantle. The last thing he doesn't have is a championship. And this might be his best year, best shot to make that happen. So I'm looking at Kyle Busch, looking at Hamlin, looking at Reddick, um, Kyle Larson, you know, he won a couple races ago at this track and he's a threat to win pretty much every week, any track, mm-hmm. but practice and qualifying definitely going to be something I'm going to want to watch. Cause that's going to tell you about speed really fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, William Byron is just quietly plodding along during all this too. And he's yep. way, way above the cut line and just kind of like clicking off the finishes. So he's another one who could just jump up and, and take it all at the end of a race. So again, if you want to tune in this weekend, Texas Motor Speedway, Saturday, September 3rd, 23rd, 12.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the NASCAR Cup Series practice and qualifying on USA. Sunday, September 24th, NASCAR Cup Series, Auto Trader, Echo Park, Automotive 400 on USA. And um, one more thing before we go anywhere, uh, Saturday night, Sharon Speedway, the Warm of Outlaws come back to town. Uh, and I don't so. have confirmation, but have to imagine that Dave Blaney, Dale Blaney going to be in the field. Both of them have three wins at Sharon Speedway each in 2023. Dave has a win in this race, the World of Outlaws race, um, a couple of years ago at Sharon. Um, once again, time for uh, those Blaney brothers to defend their home turf. And if you've got dirt vision, uh, go ahead and tune in. You can watch that race Saturday night. Yeah, I think uh, Dale ran this past weekend. Um I think he won like a B main to get to the A main. Um, so, you know, he's running real well right now too. And, uh, you know, get a little tune up race before Saturday. So yeah, we have no confirmation. We're just floating the idea out there, but, but check out your Twitter by Saturday afternoon. Cause, uh, the 32 and the 10 car might show up there and, uh, might be the place to be on Saturday night. Absolutely. I think I, I might be wrong, but I'm pretty sure this might be the last race of the, the year at Sharon Speedway too. So, uh, definitely the last visit by the world outlaws there in 2023. So thank you everyone once again for tuning into this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, just listen to our very first episode that explores our Blaney racing fandom. You can interact with us on Facebook and X at Team Blaney and on Instagram and TikTok at Team.Blaney. And finally, we'd like to encourage you to support the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation established in 2018. This organization supports causes like the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine through fundraisers, events, and membership in the Blaney Bunch Fan Club. To learn more, visit RyanBlaneyFamilyFoundation.org, all newly redesigned, or follow them on Facebook, X, Instagram, all their active social media channels. So for my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time right here on the Team Blaney Podcast. Good night, Brussels. Check out the TikTok. Well, thanks, everybody, for coming. I hope you enjoyed it.